Hello and welcome to a whole lot nothing podcast. As usual, my name is Roland Prince at Roland the Prince on Instagram. So, ladies, you know what it is. Give me a follow. Hit your nigga up in the DM, please. And, and across the table is my boy Jamie Lee. Just like usual, what is your Instagram, my boy Jamie? At James Life, Life with the extra E. So James Liffy. Lifey. Exactly. And what were we doing today, James? What 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 has been going on? How long have we been in the studio? We've probably been here what two, three hours or so? Something like that. Yeah, I think we got here it around is, so four time, o'clock. It's it's seven o'clock right now. Yeah. And I so about three we've been here for about oh no, we arrived at quarter to four. That we arrived like, at quarter to four? Remember we agreed like, yo, let's meet at the studio quarter to four. So, These are yeah, that's true. That's true. A bit over true. a bit over three hours now. Okay, very so productive day. Oh, extremely productive day. We got we got a lot done today. We uh, we did a little bit of a promo video for uh, Loaf Boy that's coming out February first. For those of y'all who don't know, my next album is called Loaf Boy, mm-hmm. and it's coming out February first. I say it one more time. There we go. Um, but we did shoot a little promo video for that, so you should be seeing that on my Instagram, ladies. If you follow me. You could be seeing it on my Instagram. Or if you see it as a sponsored post. That's true, because it uh, it will be running as an advertisement. So you'll know if you listen to the podcast that Jamie Lee was the creative director behind that. So Yeah, we made it pretty quick, though. It's it's nothing too fancy, but it is... Uh it's eye-catching, I'd say. It's definitely eye-catching. It's uh, it's yeah, it's nothing crazy fancy, but we didn't need anything crazy yeah. fancy. It's just uh, made to one of your beats too. Exactly. Yeah. So one of the be- the beat that's actually playing is uh, of the first song that's going to be released on February first of Loaf Boy. So that's Ooh. the beat that's playing in the background. And a little story behind that. Uh, I had never produced a beat in Pro Tools before. So for those of you who know uh, who know, know DAWs or DAWs, Digital Audio Workstations, that's the software that you use to create music. And the industry standard for mixing vocals, production, whatever, is Pro Tools. And Pro Tools is, you'll find that one in every studio. That's the one that I'm trained in as an engineer uh, to do my mixing, my mastering, whatever. That's what I usually use. And I usually produce in another DAW called Logic Pro X. And in Logic, that's where I get all my instruments and and do all my production. It's just the workflow in there works better for production. And uh, Pro Tools works better for mixing and mastering. That's just how it works for me. And I was sitting in the studio one day, had my record player to my left, and I wanted to do a little sample beat, but I didn't feel like unplugging my interface and plugging it into my laptop so I can run Logic because I don't have Logic on my iMac at the studio. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm just going to produce in Pro Tools on my iMac, make myself a beat. And I'd never done anything in Pro Tools like that involving production before. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to make a beat in Pro Tools. Grabbed and I made it a vinyl sample because I wanted to, you know, make it a lot harder for myself and just be like, hey, here's a challenge. Let's see if you can do it. So, went into Pro Tools, found a sample on a vinyl that I liked of uh, of this organ. It's called uh, I think it's called Wild Bill Davis doing his thing. The <laughs> the song was either called London Dairy Air or uh, shit. There was there was another one. I totally forgot the name of the song. But anyway, um, sampled it. Made myself a nice little beat, my first ever beat that I made in Pro Tools. So, uh, and I think it turned out pretty decent. Yeah, I, I, I dig it. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, you can be the judge of that. Head over to my Instagram at Roland the Prince on Instagram, and it should be up by the time you're hearing this podcast. So, Jamie, how was your day? Overall, product productivity I, aside, productivity aside, because I know you say you base a lot of your happiness on productivity. Yeah, no productivity that we accomplished aside. How was your day? Uh. It was good. I was before I came here. I was like I said on the New Year's cast. One of my goals was to work on building a website, and I've officially purchased my domain and hey. I've started working on building it and kind of getting the design. So, if I was the first time I've ever tried building a website, even though it, I, I am using uh, Squarespace, mm-hmm. uh, so it does do a lot of the work. Explain through. what Squarespace, Squarespace is for the people who aren't who, uh, who aren't familiar with that. Yeah. So maybe one day we'll pop off enough on any of our platforms that Squarespace can officially sponsor us. That would be ideal. But with our averaging of 28.5 listeners per pod, I don't think that's anytime soon. Hey, we're going to get there. We're, hey, we started with zero. And Next we're, is 30. We're there there we're we go. Hey, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. But, but anyway, continue. Yeah. Uh, so Squarespace is an incredible platform. And what they do is you sign up and you pay a monthly uh, subscription base. Or you can pay for it up front for the year, which you do save a bit of money for. Uh, I opted to go, I think I pay about $26 a month for a business website. And what that allows me to do is it gives me access to hundreds of different templates, uh, professional looking website templates where I can go in, completely customize the look of my site, get uh, and it basically takes out the need for a website developer. Okay. So I go in there and I can create a website that I think looks professional, looks great, has great UI and can 
kind of just be navigated through easily. And the plan with it is to make a website that includes my blog based on my travels and best travel advice, stories, and all these other things that I can put in there. All right. Uh, I think Squarespace is great for anybody that's looking to start a business or to kind of get into content creation through new forms of media. So kind of diversifying yourself away from YouTube, Instagram, and having another place to kind of put your your own product, whether that be like an, a physical product or your services. I think it's a really great thing to do. That's, uh, definitely, definitely. Because uh, that's one thing that sets uh, sets amateurs apart from... I apparently can't say words today. Professionados. It, it, it basically... What having a website does, your own .com or .ca domain, that def- that definitely sets you apart from all the amateurs. It sets yes. you sets you up as looking like a professional because you have your own professional place. It's just like having your own bit of real estate, like a storefront for yourself. It's literally real it's estate. It's literally just, a, it, yeah, it's online just real online estate. real estate. That's that's where things are going. We talked about this in VR. We're not going to get back into that. Mm-hmm. But um, but no, I have the same thing as well. I, uh, I actually use GoDaddy to set up my website. And uh, for those of you who want to uh, learn more information about myself, my music, what's going to be coming up in the future, and get updates about my shows and whatnot, head over to rollandprince.ca. Um, but anyway, I used uh, GoDaddy to set up that website. They were, they were my Squarespace, and mm-hmm. they were my uh, my software developer. Um, uh, yeah, Squarespace, GoDaddy, and Wix tend to be like the three major ones i tried wix before uh before i actually tried GoDaddy, and uh i there, i was blown away by the amount of customization they let you they let you do you completely build everything they have the little store uh where you could just where you could sell merchandise and take it take payments or uh, or you can yeah like, clients can, can book themselves like in for whatever it is that they're doing uh that's what i really liked with wix but there was a there were like a lot of the, the features that um like like i when i was using which i using wix i had a free account and uh and i, I a lot of the stuff like basically I would have to pay a monthly amount for uh, for if for if I if I were to actually like go with Wix because I was balancing balancing between Wix and GoDaddy, but I was using Wix at the time. But basically, what they were they were asking for payment for for certain services like using the store or like to be able to sell stuff or or uh, I think there was a, there was another one for a different piece of uh, showing off your content mm-hmm. that they uh, that they had as well in there that you had to pay for. But then if you paid for that, then adding that paying for that. Adding for uh, the monthly payment fee that I would have to pay for uh, for upkeeping my their their hosting my domain basically, uh, and then also paying for my domain, the price was just more than it would be to do the exact same thing in GoDaddy. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going with GoDaddy, but then I've been getting emails from Wix since I deactivated my site with them and, and brought my domain over to GoDaddy. They've been sending me deals, so, which will now, after I did the math, add up to be cheaper long-term than mm. going with GoDaddy and offer me more customization with my website. So that means just being able to connect more with fans, have uh, have my Instagram posts possibly start popping up on the website as well. So that's, I can, uh, that's automatically updated. I don't have to get my management team to update every single time yeah, I post Squarespace a picture. Yeah, can do that too. Uh, yeah. So uh, so ideally, that would be uh, that'd be where I'm traveling to in the future. Uh, so yeah. I'm definitely leaning back towards Wix, even though I lean towards GoDaddy. But just uh, hey, GoDaddy, if you uh, if you want to get more competitive, Will start it go a- happy. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! But if you uh, if you want to start competing with Wix, because Wix is, Wix is offering some amazing deals now through my email, just basically trying to win me back. So uh, GoDaddy, you know, uh, you know, Wix is hitting my DM. You, mm-hmm. you should uh, you should get my DM with a better offer, you know, or else I might have to do the little switchy switch. Yeah, but. Uh- Going back to my website, one thing I'm really... Oh, yeah, shit, sorry, my bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries, all good. Uh, one thing I'm really excited for with it is that I actually got a, a solid domain name. So, originally, I wanted to do travelwithnomads.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was already taken. I think I accidentally put it on, like, my work Squarespace, and then uh, I lost, like, the account information for that. Uh-oh. And then I was like, you know what, like, let's just think of a different name. So, I was thinking, like, getnomadic.com. A lot of them were taken, and all these... Everything I tried... Just didn't work. So I was thinking like the the adventurelist.com. Adventurelist. And I was like, because it's just a list of my adventures. I yeah. thought that would be really cool. Uh, and then that didn't work. And then I tried lifesbetterabroad.com mm-hmm. and it worked. And I was like, ah. dope. And it was only a $20 domain. Oh, that's not bad at 20 all. 20 Canadian. 20 Canadian. Okay, yeah, not bad. So, I, pay, I paid 17 for mine. That's, yeah, so yeah, that's actually I'm, not bad at all. Yeah, so I now own lifesbetterabroad.com. It's right. completely verified and and ready to not ready to go because I still have to kind of design the website and stuff. Yeah, publish it. Man. But uh, yeah, I have to publish it. So I do have a, a bit of my photography up there uh, as some banners, which I think look really, really nice. And basically, what I'm going to have is um, th- to start the two things that I want to have before I make it live and publish it and make it public and kind of announce it out to everybody 
uh, and so that they can go see are one at least three to five blog blog posts already written and made and like ready to go as well as a separate page for my gallery. And so I'll set up my gallery that has my photography and even a bit of my videography uh, from different countries that I've visited. So I'd have like a Philippines sort of one, which would most probably just like specify for Chardao. Uh, I'd have one for Bali. I'd have one for, for Chile. Uh, I'd have one for Perth, uh, Perth, Australia and Rottnest Island. Um, and I'd kind of just try and like, make this catalog of all these countries that I've been to and just have some of my photography and videography that shows there. Uh, so if people want to come and read my stories, read my advice that I have to give about whether it's cheaper ways to travel, how maybe one that I write is how I saved $900 on my flight to Morocco uh, round trip. So that literally happened this week. Uh, one thing, as somebody who travels as extensively as I do, I have been very, very good at finding cheap flights or good deals. Uh, maybe one of my posts is probably going to be about how I went to Australia on 15 hours notice. Um, because when you find $160 to Perth, um, it's kind of tough to, as a Canadian, not go to Australia when you're like, oh, it only cost me $160 right now to leave tomorrow. Yeah, that's a steal of a deal. So. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I, I would I will scoop never, that up as well. I will never find <clears throat> this deal again, especially to go to the city that is the farthest city in the world from Ottawa. Well, damn. There was lit there's not a single city in on planet Earth that is farther from where we are today than Perth. Damn. And actually, well, you know, well couldn't you couldn't you argue that? Like Kingston is farther because you have to go all the way around the world to get there. You know, you can go all the way around the world the opposite way. So that's you know that's a, that's a further distance. I mean, if you go the opposite direction, there you go. See, so you, he's lying to you, bro. <laughs> I'm just fucking with you. No, of course. But yeah, that's 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 sick as hell. Like, and also being being able to hear about your adventures, like while you're on your adventures, because we were mm -hmm. still talking while uh, while he was out abroad traveling all over Asia and whatnot. I just one day he randomly sends me a Snapchat with <laughs> one of our buddies that we went to high school with, and he's in Perth. And I'm just no, like- No, no, we were in Bali. Oh, yeah, 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 you were in Bali together. Then you both went to Perth. No, he we went separate directions to Australia. He didn't know because I didn't know. So yeah. Kieran, I'll, I'll give the context. Yeah, yeah sorry, Kay, you explain it all. Yeah, it so, all. so a friend of ours, Kieran, Kieran and I, we, we were good, like, not, we were- we were ultimate frisbee buddies in high school. We were never that close, but definitely buddies. And when you're kind of the only two people you know on the other side of the planet, things just feel close. Yeah. Even though he's a like five hour flight away in Gold Coast, Australia. Yeah. That is so much closer than everybody else we we know. So yeah. we were basically neighbors. True. I was in Indonesia. He's in Australia. Might as well have been like down the street, yeah. you know. And so he's talking to me, and he's like messaging me, saying like, "Oh, it's so cool! Like you're you're doing all this travel and stuff. I, I I've I've wanted to go to Bali, like because I'm in Australia. I was like, man, you totally should. And he's like, I actually have reading week, like my week off this like week coming up. I was like, bro, like just come find find a last minute deal, come to Bali. He's like, should I? I was like, yes. Like you like I'm not leaving, and. Two days later, he shows up at my door, and we were like, what the fuck? We, I haven't seen him since high school. It's been about four years, and we were like, holy crap, as if we just met each other in Indonesia, and the best part about it was he arrived in Bali uh, one day, and I was in the south, and so he kind of ar arrived in central Bali outside of Kuda, which is where the airport is for Denpasar Airport, and he, he was like, you know what? I'm going to go to Canggu and Ubud first which are kind of like two of the most like main tourist places. Mm -hmm. I was all the way in the southern part of the island in Uluwatu. So while he was in Ubud, he was like, crap, like I got to get to Ulu. It's like a two, two and a half hour drive to get there. And in Bali, like taxis and cabs are really cheap. So that typically uh, probably only cost, I think it was like $20. Jesus Christ. A two hour cab ride was yeah, $20. Not even joking. That's but, insane. But the funniest part That's was insane. like none of the, so in if you ever go to Southeast Asia, they don't use Uber. They use an app called Grab. Uh, it's basically the same thing. It's an app, but instead of billing your credit card, it gives you a rate before you decide to like agree to the ride, and you pay that rate to the driver in cash. 
So he keeps looking for grabs and stuff and all these other things, and nobody wants to make the two-and-a-half-hour trek to Uluwatu. And he d- he doesn't understand the currency, so I'm like, dude, don't pay more than 300,000 rupiah. So 300,000 rupiah, no, they, that's about, like, $28. So I was like, don't pay more. They're going to offer you, like, 500, 600, even a million. Do not take that, like, 300 because I'd been there for like two over two weeks so I understood the currency which if you are traveling really get used to the currency understand it study it before you go so you avoid getting ripped off and understand what the typical cost for things like a cab or a meal are so that you're a little more prepared so that's a little do you reach a a, a mini blart but anyway so he takes this he can't find a grab so eventually he found this dude on a scooter and he no. was like, he was like, can you drive me? Can you drive me to Uluwatu? You know, this dude would like drive people around Ubud like on a scooter. Like it was, it's called a Gojek, G O J E K, uh, and that's one of the services they offer there. And so he was like, uh, I don't know. He's like, how much? And then he was like, uh, the dude said five hundred. And Kieran's like, no, all I have is three hundred. And after like a minute or two, he's like, okay, I'll do it. So Kieran hops on this scooter on the back of a scooter with his little like gym bag like wrapped around his shoulder like a satchel and takes the two and a half hour scooter ride to the south of Bali and then meets me at my Airbnb at like nine at night. That that's a legendary just this dude just got hit in the face with a microphone that, <laughs> that wasn't was moving. That was hilarious. <laughs> But, but almost as hilarious as imagining this dude, which is a who is a tall, lanky dude, yeah, by the like way. Six, this four, isn't a small. This isn't a small dude. This tall, lanky dude wrapped around some like tiny little Indonesian <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. just fucking flying for two hours on <laughs> on a scooter. And then he meets me at my Airbnb at like eight thirty nine p.m. at night. And here's here's another thing in in Indonesia and much of Southeast Asia because they are by the equator in the summertime. Here in Ottawa, it gets dark around like 9, 9.30. In the every, summer, yeah. Every single day, year-round, it's dark at 6.30. Like, sunset's like 6 or 6.30. By 7, it's like dark. That's that's not fun. So I don't the like entire that. ride, he's in the dark, just like doesn't oh. know where he's going. So he's in the dark, riding a scooter down, the, down this road yeah. in another country with some random dude he just met yeah. and for two and a half hours. Okay. $28. And then he meets me and we're just like, holy crap, as if we haven't seen each other since Ultimate Frisbee in high school. And now we are in Indonesia on the other side of the planet. We're about to have like the most crazy week of our lives, like checking everything out. Adventuring everywhere. Yeah. So we did like some crazy stuff. We went to this one uh, day club called Omnia and Omnia in Bali is like one of the most popping off places for like all time. So Everything. it's it's okay. in the south in Uluwatu where we were and we decided to go to Omnia because it was it they, I think they opened in September or October and basically what they are is this like insane day club. So they've got like wicked DJs that go there um like I can't I can't remember I think Alesso was played there. I think Marshmallow's played there. It's like just some world class DJs play Damn, in Omnia. So some some big niggas they've been yeah. playing there. Then they've got this like giant, beautiful infinity pool, like the nicest infinity pool you'll see in your entire life. Then they have these like lounge areas and chairs that you can sit on and like have your cocktails. It's super bougie. And it's like the one place in Bali that's actually like expensive. Like you're talking New York price expensive as Shit, opposed to okay. And Bali is basically a third of the cost of or, uh, like half to a third of the cost of what you typically pay for everything else, whether mm-hmm. that be an Airbnb or food or anything like this. So you're talking about probably five six times the price of normal things in Bali, like normal drinks. So it's like bougie. So it's, yeah, it's this place is nuts. Okay, like their cover is like twenty two dollars, but they let us in for free because they weren't that busy. Okay. So so it was, and we show up there, and it was like, holy crap, this is the nicest place I've ever been to. And we just, we low key kind of balled out by getting, you know, some like gourmet, like grilled cheeses. And cheese, you and, be balling. Which, which like cost us like, which, which cost us like, I think it was like 10 bucks each. So we got like, we each got one piece of grilled cheese for 10 bucks. <laughs> 
Damn. Because it, it was it was expensive. that's expensive by any standards. Yeah, if I, no, exactly. if I, I have never paid more than five dollars for a grilled cheese. It was a dope grilled cheese, though. Okay, what it was, was on good. it? What, like, what did they did they give you? It like was a not, bacon grilled cheese. Bacon grilled cheese. Were there like four different types of cheese on there? At least there. I have think to, it was three. If I'm paying ten dollars, there has three to be cheese. at least four. Uh, I think it was a a, a trio cheese okay. grillage. Can you name those cheeses? Nope. But oh. anyways, so yeah. that was one of the things we did. We went to Omnia, which if you if you decide to go to Bali and you want to get your party on, like go go to a really interesting club. Go to a place that you will never find in Canada and North America unless I don't even there's an Omnia actually in Vegas. But that's the only, one of two. So there's Vegas and Bali and the So one now you've Bali hit one is, of the two. That's a weird like they have two places that this place is that this bar I, or whatever this is is available. Not that weird. Both are millennial hubs. Uh, internationally millennials from all over the world go to both vegas and i still feel like there's more people going to vegas than bali i i would agree for not most like your average tourist including like people our parents age you're talking millennials i would say well millennials millennials don't have as much money to to goof around with so going to to bali going to vegas is not a smart idea if you're just some dude who would like unless you're you're gonna make your money back duh uh well that's what you assume but you all but then you can you you guarantee you're gonna spend a lot of money on on staying there but you can never guarantee you're gonna win all all the money you're you're spending back if you go to bali it's a more financially responsible investment definitely you get the good time you get way far away from anything that you're used to culturally Mm -hmm. and you're also like your prices are already super low but you know you're you know what you're spending going in yes and so do they even do they have any good casinos in bali uh they might did you visit i don't i don't go to casinos regardless i I don't don't either but it's just like just out of curiosity some wicked insane clubs i didn't i went to omni which is the only club i actually went to i went to this one bar called old man's which if you've been to Changu is like the bar to go to. I was there for a night. It was an interesting spot. I'm not into the party scene that much. So yeah. it was kind of like my one or one of the few nights I actually did go out on my whole trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a cool time. One of the other things though we did in Bali that was unbelievable was the sunrise hike up Mount Batur. And Mount Batur is the second largest volcano on the island of Bali. Mm-hmm. So the largest one is Mount Agung. And Agung is harder to access, and it's I think it's like thirty five hundred meters tall. Damn! Like it is a big, big volcano. It's a big bitch. It's yeah, a, it's a large mountain. Whereas uh, Batur is seventeen hundred meters, and okay. so we were in our hostel in Ubud because we were together for a week and went everywhere in Bali. So we did a little bit of Luwatu, a little bit of Changu, a little bit of Ubud, and a little bit of the north. Northern Bali, most people skip out on it. If you ever go to Bali, please go to the north. Best waterfalls you'll see in your life, as well as the volcanoes and okay. dolphins. So if you want to go like dolphin watching, you can only do that in the, in the north. Anyways, back to the story. So we went on this hike, and basically what we ended up doing was you get picked up at 2 in the morning. So we wake up at like 1.30, so we've hardly slept, maybe like three hours of sleep in our 8 or I think it was, yeah, six-bedroom hostel. So it was like you, you're trying to, like, trot around and not wake anybody up. Uh, mind you, we were hanging out with everybody else in our dorm before, a couple Chileans and stuff. So they were all really cool, and we, knew, like, we told them they knew what we were doing, so they weren't really bothered. So we, we get picked up at 2 in the morning, and we arrive at the base of the mountain at 4 a.m. Then you start your hike with, like, a Wait, that two hour, that two hour voyage. Did you have to ride scooters? No, no. Okay. That's 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 the next story I'll get to though. Okay, okay. So we at four a.m. we arrive and then we start this hike in complete darkness. But one of the most the, one of the best parts about it is because it's so dark and you're so far out. There's absolutely no light pollution whatsoever. So everywhere you look, you see the entire like set of constellations. You see like literally the the sort of cloudy looks of the milky way it was the one of the most beautiful like starry nights i've ever wow. seen in my life it was incredible so we're at the base of the mountain you start the hike at four i summited by six fifteen, particularly because i completely ditched my group and said fuck this i'm going at my own pace and just took every shortcut i took up I, or i could take up and it was kind of sketchy because like it's it's steep rocky sandy and there's like so many people on this and there's areas where if you aren't looking like and you fall like you're you're it's, done it's almost like it's a mountain 
Yes, a volcano, yes. Oh, sorry, volcano. So it was kind of reckless and stupid, but regardless, I got up there before everybody else because my goal was like, I want to go up there and get some dope time lapses, like a sunrise time lapse. And so I arrived at around 6, 6.15, around like 6.35, 6.40, we see like the first bit of sun start to peak up. And because we were, when we were at the summit, it was like a cloudy day. So it was like this thick layer of fog right in front of us. And we're like, what the hell? Like, we're not even going to see the sun. And so it comes up and the first, and when it first started to rise, everything around us turned purple, like a very dark blue and like purple. And we were like, holy crap. Like my mind was blown. I'd never seen a sight like this. It was like purple fog everywhere. And there's this little dot in front of you. That's the sun. And we were like completely blown away. We snagged some like really cool pics which I think are some of the best photos I've ever taken. Are any of them up on your Instagram for people, yes. to, people to go look at? Yes. So if you check out the Instagram at James Life, Life with an extra E, I'll actually pull some up for you to see yeah. uh, right now. But honestly, like I think genuinely... He some, means for me, not for you guys. Yes. So here's one of them for you to look at. Oh, shit. That's fucking cool. Yeah. So it's like completely oranges, blues, and purples everywhere. And after about 15 minutes that orange and blue sort of hue eventually completely was eliminated and everything was just bright orange. Like the just as thick fog and then you see this like giant sun in the distance and everything around you is completely orange. It was one of the most incredible and stunning moments of my life. So this is the one I'm talking about. Oh shit, look at this. Yeah. This man at the back looks like he's like ducking from an explosion. It says ET. I I think I captioned it saying ET photo bombed my photo. (laughs) It is some dude who's like, like looking at he's about to like protect his head. Yeah. So, So, uh, but it was, it it blew my mind. We are at the summit 1700 meters up on this volcano and we're completely surrounded in orange in every single direction. And it didn't make sense. Like I, I don't think I'll ever see something like that again because I feel like, because I know the conditions the day we went up, the morning we went up were so special in particular that that is not a normal occurrence. So most people that go up there on a, on a clear day see this beautiful sunrise. It kind of opens up the valley below. But because we had just enough fog, that fog completely engulfed in whatever color what that was there. So when the sun first started to rise and it's in the distance, it was very, very much like that purple hue. And then as it began to get higher and higher and higher, it was almost like there was an inferno in the sky. And it was well. There was beautiful, not in the sky. Oh, sorry, in the space. Yes, in the space. Um, so that was like one of the coolest things we did was hike Mount Batur. I highly recommend. Again, if you go to Bali, you should definitely try that. It's worth waking up at the at one one thirty in the morning and then heading up north. And it's worth doing regardless of how packed that way up is, especially when you get to the top and it's like seven in the morning. The sun is way up and you look down into the craters and you see just how incredibly raw nature is. And then you see the whole island. It's just beautiful. Now, I'll tell my third story of that week. All right. Because let's hear it. this one is another one in the north. It was about two days before we did the Mount Batur hike. We were like, you know what? Let's go waterfall hunting. We're going to, like, what I wanted to do was make a video. And Kieran wanted to be a part of it too. And that was to find Bali's best waterfall. And so that was start in the south and work work our way north. And we wanted to do all these in one shot in a day if we could. And we, we were like, you know what? We're going to go tomorrow. So we wake up at like 6 in the morning. And we know that we want to head north. And to go north in Bali from Ubud where we were in the jungles takes like it's like at least a three-hour scooter ride. So we were like preparing ourselves. Like we we had to get hyped up and ready to go. It's a big scoot. Yeah. It's a and long so, scoot. So we wake up at like six, six in the morning and we look out and it's like it's raining. So we're like, hey, like let's go back to bed for like an hour and a half, get a bit more rest. And by the time we wake up, we'll reevaluate the situation. And it was cloudy, but it wasn't raining. So we're like, okay, you know what? Like we only, today's really our only chance to try yeah to get so it. Yeah. so let's at least give it a shot so we decided you know what like let's go and we headed out to our first waterfall which is about 30 40 minutes away from Ubud. i can't remember what it was called and we show up and we go down this like weird little gravel path and as we go down we see all these like chickens running across us 
we see these like exotic fruit trees and stuff. Um, I think there was like we saw a bunch of durians, which durians are kind of like these like spiky sort of looking fruits that taste kind of weird. They're all over Southeast Asia. And we keep going, and then eventually we see this little, like, parking area that's, like, maybe 15 feet by 15 feet. And the way to get to the waterfall was literally through this forest, down this path. And it was raining while we were driving a bit, and we knew that it rained overnight. So we're like, screw this, like, whatever, let's go. And we started walking down, and it was literally the slipperiest conditions I've ever been on anything ever. Worse than any ice I've walked on, or, like, it was just pure mud and it was steep. It was probably like 40 degrees down. And we were like, okay, like we started walking a bit down. We're grabbing onto branches and trees trying to like hold our balance. And we realized like if we go down here, we can't get back up. Yeah, like you're stuck. I was like, it's literally too slippery for us to, to walk back up. We need like cleats with like six inch studs, like ice picks to just dig into the ground. So we we're like, hey, like we can't do this waterfall. So we we're like, you know what? Let's just go to Sukumpul Waterfalls, which is in the north. It's a couple hours from here. It was supposed to be about two and a half hours from where we were. And we just go straight north and we just drive and keep going. And at that waterfall, we're supposed to be like some of the craziest waterfalls in all of Bali. So we do that and we head out and the conditions got worse. So the rain was harder. The As we got further and further up through the mountains in northern Bali... Uh, the fog got exponentially thicker. And all I was wearing was a very, very thin, light rain jacket. And Kieran's kind of wearing uh, the same thing. And it's completely soaked all the way through from all of the rain and fog that we've gone through. And now the temperature's around like 11 degrees. Oh, so it's getting a little little nippy. So, it, and when you've been in the tropics for like over two months at this point, it was about two and a half months into my, or not two and a half, it was, yeah, it was about two months into my trip. And you're used to tropical weather, like 25 to 35 degrees and sunny every single day. 11 and rainy and wet is just miserable. So not the place you want to so be. So it was, it was so bad. So after about two and a half hours of driving, we pulled over and stopped. And it was literally just warm ourselves up. Like we, we were just holding ourselves like completely soaked, drenched, uncomfortable. Everything that, it was just, everything was going wrong. Did you bring all your like camera equipment and whatnot with you as well? Yeah, so I had my camera bag on my back, but luckily I have this little rain sort of shield that I can put over it. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and so I was like, damn, like we wanted to film some of the drive, but at the same time, I was like, I am not risking bringing out my camera in these conditions. So after GoPro about, conditions. Yeah, so after about two and a half hours of scootering through pretty much half of Bali, we're like, hey, like, let's keep going. Let's continue. Like, the waterfalls are going to be worth it. Are these electric scooters or gas scooters? By the gas. way, just okay. So they're going a gas. little faster than no. Like these are, we're going at least like sixty kilometers an hour. Oh, okay, so you're on trying. these things. Okay, okay. Um, and so we're going, and then after another like hour and a half, it took us about four, four and a half hours of like driving these scooters through the worst conditions. Or it was about three and a half to four hours. Uh, to get there, driving these scooters through the absolute worst conditions, the most uncomfortable moments, like literally of my life. And we finally made it to the Sukumpul waterfall stops. So we were like, and, and the best part, it was about 3 p.m. So we left earlier this morning around 9. So it was it was a long journey to get there. It's around 3 p.m. We're like, oh, finally, we've made it. So we have this little hike to get down and we see these waterfalls in the distance as we start descending our hike to get to the valley. And we look and it was one of the most incredible sights of my life. You have about two waterfalls side by side right next to each other, probably about 150 meters tall, just pouring water down below. And you see these and it's right in the middle of the jungle, like of it's a complete tropical paradise, and it, it, it blew my mind. And we, we were both just standing there like, how is this real? Like, how, how could this possibly be our lives right now? So we head down, and we get there. And the best part about this area is they're not just two waterfalls. There's about seven or eight, all within walking distance from each other, as well as, which for some reason nobody goes to because when they do tours – of Sukumpul Waterfalls, you have to pay an additional fee of the equivalent of about $2.50, so tour guides don't bring you there. So, fun tip. 
Don't go with a tour guide unless you want to have a comfortable ride there, which is totally fine. You can sit in your car and sleep, which is probably a better idea. But there's these other waterfalls, which I can't remember what they're called. They might be called Fiji Falls, actually. And they're literally about three, four minutes away, like walking from the main ones. And it is the only triple waterfall in all of Bali. So they're the same size and just as grand as the other ones, but there's three all next to each other. Shit, like I've heard Giant. of a double rainbow, but like a, a triple, triple waterfall, waterfall, that's, wow, that's next level, bro. That's next so, level. So we're like, we we go there, we, we can't not see this. Yeah, of course. And this, and we had this whole place for about 20 minutes to ourselves. Damn. Me and Kieran were like the only people there. And we were just blown away. There's three giant waterfalls just pouring into this jungle area. And we have this entirely alone. That's because nobody wants to do that grueling hike. Yeah. That grueling scooter ride to the north. Or they don't know about it well enough. Or they don't think that it's going to be beautiful enough to justify it. So we go there and we're spending like maybe 20 minutes there. And maybe about a dozen Indonesian kids who all happen to speak really good English come up to us and they're like, oh, do you guys want to come swim with us? And I was a little hesitant because I have just thousands of dollars of camera equipment that I didn't want to leave to the side. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, Kieran, you go. And then I'll just like make sure that nobody touches our stuff because the last thing I wanted was to leave these alone and then somebody comes from behind and takes yeah. them. So after a little bit, after maybe about 15 minutes, I was like, you know what? I'm going to take the risk. Nobody else is here. Everybody else that all these kids, like we've we've interacted with them. They're laughing at us. They think we're fun. I was like, I don't I think they're harmless. I don't think they're here to like take anything. I genuinely think they're just locals that That's how they wanna, get you. Wanna have fun. That's how they get so you. So I was like, I'll put I'll put my stuff to the side and you know what? Screw it. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in. And so we spent the next like twenty minutes just jumping in, playing, standing right beneath like the pure raw form of nature pouring down on us. Nature's beautiful shower. And we jumped it off these rocks, like into these with about these dozens of about a dozen Indonesian kids ranging from 15 to 19 years old. And they thought we were hilarious. We thought they were so funny. And it was just cool, like experiencing this whole th- th- moment with local people. Did these kids like live there? Yeah. Or? Oh, yeah. Okay, so they okay. were from their local Indonesian kids. Like not, 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 and I'm not saying they live there as in, in Indonesia. Yeah. Like, like that's right their by spot. these waterfalls. That is their spot. Oh, okay. So this is like the right, I thought it was, I wasn't sure if it was like a school trip. No, or, no, no, no. This is, is like, yeah. this is their spot. So. Okay. So they just pull up and swim at these waterfalls every day. Yeah. And you, you were saying, wow, this is my life right now. I get to see these waterfalls. These kids get to wake up and go see these waterfalls, these beautiful, beautiful waterfalls every single day and go swim underneath them yeah. and, and be part of them. That's, that's, that's honestly, that's really cool. So I, I was like, screw this. I'm just leave my stuff to the side and honestly that was one of the best decisions i've ever made nothing happened the wind enjoy yourself yeah nothing happened to my gear and we got we just had one of the most pure moments of complete elation of my life like the the moment was just perfect there was you know like those rare moments where you're completely stuck and enamored in the present you're not thinking about anything that happened to you in the past. You're not even thinking about what you want to do in the future, what you're going to have for lunch or dinner. You're just thinking about this moment right now, completely immersed in the present. That's what it was like. And I would not trade that moment away for any amount of money I have or could make from it. So even if you did lose your camera gear in that situation, it would have been worth it. No, no, not at all. That's that's the one exception because that would have completely... But you were just saying that's, that's all dollars. It's just dollars. Yeah, but... At the same time, no, but that would have at that moment completely killed the vibe. Oh yeah, would have killed the vibe, of course. But I'm saying it's just like to live in that moment, to have that experience, to know that what you're doing right now is all you want to be doing and yes. all you want to think about. That's worth it, worth anything. Yes. And enjoying but if somebody that right were to have taken my stuff at that time, it would have completely ruined the moment. That's kind of what I'm saying. Does that make sense? It does. But at the same time, it's like you said you would trade anything for that moment. Yeah, because now that I've lived it, that, like that. What, I'm that, just trying to. I'm just trying to fuck with you, bro. No, I know. that's I know. no. But like, I, I love. I love moments like that as well. There's very few moments in my life that I that I really get to be truly in the moment and really enjoy it. And that's that's honestly one of the one of the greatest things that we that we all search for in life mm-hmm. is the that thing that we can do, that person that we can be with, that experience that, that we can have that will really put us completely in the moment 
and not have to worry about, oh, what am I eating for dinner or what am I doing tomorrow or what does my boss want or how am I going to tell my wife this or whatever. We're not worried about that. And it just worrying about what it is that we're doing and fully enjoying what we're doing. Life yeah. is just a collection of present moments. That's yeah. all there ever is, ever, is the present. And I think we should really treasure the moments that we do have as opposed to dwell on the things that could or have happened. Mm -hmm. Because if we can be completely appreciative of this moment right now, regardless of where you are, whether you're at work, whether you're with your spouse, whether you're recording a podcast, right? Like, you know, at Glass Portal Studios. You know, at Glass Portal Records on Instagram. Just, I think being appreciative of where you are in the present, I think is one of the most key and quintessential parts of who I try to be as well as what I think helps me remain with strong perspective because it's like, like I said, everything, everything lives in the present, but you can dwell on things outside of that. And I think dwelling on things outside of the present is just a waste of your energy and your time. Now, semi-blart. Semi-blart? But I want to know, because I've kind of taken over this pod for the past like half Low-key domination, but you know, it's all good. No, you had good stories to tell and yeah. it's definitely entertaining. So like, and so, not a problem. But what I want to know, can you think specifically of a moment where you were completely immersed in the present, nothing mattered about your past, about the future, just right then and there, you were like just completely engulfed in the moment? Yes. Um, there's a, there's actually quite a few that I can recall because those are definitely some moments in my life that are, to me at least, like some of the most special. Um, what, like the biggest one, or the, I guess one of the most recent ones was when I was, uh, when I was performing a blues fest this year. And I really just, whenever I'm on stage in general, like that's why I said there's a bunch of them. Cause every time I'm performing, I, it's just a, like, it's a rush that I can describe like no other. Mm -hmm. And it's not really one of those like, Oh, I need this like adrenaline rush. Like it's a life or death situation. No, it's not like that. It's more of a, it, this is the pinnacle of how I wanted my music to be presented to people. I, I want to see people experience my music. I want to feel the energy that they have, that they're sending back to me because all the energy, energy I'm giving to them with my music, it can be given right back if it's the right kind of energy for the right moment and they feel it the right way. And Blues Fest was the most recent time where I, on that stage, I don't, I just turn off and I don't have to, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not worried about after the show. I'm not worried about anything that happened before the show. Like I'm just completely in the moment and completely just living on that stage, working with the crowd. And it's just me and the people who want to see me and that's it. And I, that like, they're sitting there wanting to see me, giving me their full attention. Why don't, so I give them my full attention. I give them every single bit that I have of myself that, that I normally would be occupying. Oh, what am I doing tomorrow? Or what, what's this? Or do oh, I have to finish that mix for that client or, mm. or this or that? Like, when I'm performing, it's just my brain completely goes into, I need to, I'm giving these people what it is they came for, which is me. And I give, I give them all of me. And I know, I know that might sound like a, like a, oh, that's your, your vein or whatever, but, but no, it's just, that's my job as a musician is if you're, if people are paying to come and see me at a show, I'm going to give them the show and give them all of the person they came to hear, came to see and being able to feed off the energy that I get back from people strictly because I gave them music that helped feed that energy, create that energy, create that vibe, being able to experience a vibe that I'm creating with music that I created is just a rush like no other and doesn't even compare to, to, to anything. Like I, I used to be huge into, uh, into action sports and, uh, like snowboarding. I used to ride BMX, mountain biking, uh, dirt jumping, all that. All, well, those were all biking, but still, you know, what I, <laughs> you know what I mean? But anyway, like I used to find, I used to find a lot of clarity in, in just riding my snowboard and I would go and just bomb hills and fly between people. And that experience of being between like, if, yo, I'm three inches away from hitting this child going down the hill. If I hit them, not only are they going down, I'm tumbling like the next 50 meters and destroying myself. So if I'm not living in this moment, I get wrecked. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about action sports. Oh, action sports. That's honestly like there's, there's no more clarity and understanding of your life and where you are and what you're doing and complete control over whether or not you live or die, whether or not you see tomorrow, there's no other alternative. There's nothing completely like it. Like other than action sports where like riding downhill, this is something we both, we both used to do. Jamie's more proficient at it than I am, but I still do it. Yeah, he still does it. I, I stop. That's what, that's what I'm saying. But 
riding downhill if for those of you who don't know mountain downhill mountain biking go go google downhill mountain biking and really see what this is about see some goats it, it, absolutely Nuts. insane so imagine you're on a extremely expensive i know we just blurted like heavy but whatever you're on an extremely expensive piece of metal that or carbon fiber if you got that money and you're <laughs> flying down a mountain like literally ski hills that you would ski on imagine there's dirt trails that crisscross all across those those runs that you'd be riding on in the summer and rocks and, and uh, roots. they just toss rocks and roots and bumps and steep drops and jumps and a- anything that you can imagine that would make it more difficult to get down the mountain but still fun that is what and you they have put to do way. it on a bike and you have to do it on a bike while moving down the hill as fast as you possibly yes. can. And because in many circumstances, by moving too slow, you put yourself at risk. At more risk, yeah. Because more speed is is it's your friend. Because like if you if you're going to hit this rock and you're going too slow, your momentum will get stuck on the rock and you'll you're, flip over the bars yeah. and, and wreck yourself. But if you're going fast enough, you'll just go boop boop right over the rock, no problem. You don't even realize you just jumped over a, a three foot tall rock. Like anyway, with, but with downhill, one of the things that that I really loved about it is when you're going down that mountain, when you're flying down there, if you think about anything else other than what you're doing you're at that so moment, fucked. Oh my God, you're you are be- so, you're so fucked. Like you're just like, I don't know if I can actually stress, oh to, my especially God. where we used to ride. Cold Camp like, Fortune. I actually feel like my chest. Yeah. Like right pumping. now it's just because like, I'm, I'm imagining it and I'm like, if you lose concentration for any second, even a second, you are done just destroyed so like you will have lacerations all over your body you will have broken (laughs) bones anywhere you will like you could literally lose your life oh yeah if you're doing it hard enough and and where we ride at uh because for for those of you who are googling it who don't really know what it is you're gonna find videos of whistler mountain bike park that's what's gonna come up in the world amazing place (laughs) i've never been jamie's been but um, like smoothest trails nice really nicely groomed jumps the lifts are fast good food good people good times and flowy and just burly now we now those are the places that you're going to find on the internet where we rode nothing like that yeah. we rode at camp fortune and for those of you who live around the ottawa area you know that it's a ski hill because in the winter that's one of the biggest ski hills that people go to uh that or edelweiss or uh or like monster is, is a little farther but yeah but yeah uh camp fortune is one of the closest ski hills to ottawa now in the summer they have a bunch of downhill trails and Unlike Whistler Bike Park, which is, oh, there's a there's a pothole here or there's a bunch of rocks. You'll just take out the rocks, fill it with nice, some nice smooth dirt. Make Ain't this no a nice budgets at Fortune. No, at Fortune, no? they they see a giant clump of rocks or like something. So th- let's say there's a big bomb hole in the in the in the track where it's like there's a big like in the, sorry in the trail there's a big pothole. They're not like oh let's fill it with nice smooth dirt. They just get a bucket of rocks and dump it on there yeah. and be like oh that's fine yeah that's good. We don't I need- will genuinely say that Camp Fortune. With confidence is a more difficult hill to ride than Whistler Mountain. Oh, 100%. I've having, heard, I've heard that from multiple rode, people. Having rode double blacks at Whistler. So here's a little blart. So when Ben and I were in Whistler, we rode this trail called Schleyer. Schleyer's a double black. And we were heading into it being like, damn, like this is a double black at the probably like the pinnacle of mountain biking in the world. Like this has to be crazy and intense. And it was. But we drop in on this thing. And right as we get to the top, we're like, damn, like there's a four foot drop into a rock garden like and it was one of the might i'm not gonna say the most no it's definitely not the most difficult trail i've ever rode but probably top three to five it's one of the most challenging trails i've ever rode in my life a schlayer there's drops there's wall rides there's step downs there's rock gardens it's technical it's fast and it's aggressive but because we were so used to riding extremely technical and challenging trails all day at Camp Fortune, we were able to do it better than most locals. Damn. Like, we were, we noticed that we were expecting to kind of be one of the, some of the weaker riders out there because we hadn't rode jumps in a while since they tore down the Sempton Trails. We hadn't, like, most of the riding that we do is technical. So when we ended up riding with locals, whether that was on A-Line or anywhere, we never struggled keeping up, which blew my mind. And then we did Schlayer a couple times. We're like, damn, like, we didn't fall. Hey. We didn't eat shit. Well, and, you know, it for, blew my mind. For those of you who are who are listening, they're like, "You didn't fall." That's that's an achievement. Yes, that's an achievement in downhill. If you get down the mountain and don't eat shit, you're that's that's Gold an achievement. Star. That honestly, it doesn't matter how you did it. You stayed balanced on that bike. Your feet didn't come off those pedals. You're good. You're chilling. Yeah. But anyway, with Camp Fortune being the rockiest place on the fucking planet, like 
if you felt like I still have scars all over my body, my shins included, and let's just say those are ripped up to shit. And just from falling, I can't fortune. And then you hit one rock and then you hit another rock and you just keep so flying. annoying. Oh, when, when, when you fall, you're done for a good, like at least 20, 20, 30 minutes. Like you can't get yeah. up and do anything. You're just, just see when you fall at camp fortune, the likelihood of your day, your the bare minimum injury being your day is done. Yeah. Is like 80%. It's our, it's, oh yeah. It's like it's 80%. Easily. As soon as as soon as you realize your equilibrium, your balance is off, you're like, oh fuck. Yeah, because like my you know day you're either just going into a, a rock, a set of rocks, a root, or a tree. You're going into a rock or a rock that's having a house party. Yeah. And you're just gonna hit all of his rock buddies and just not have a good You're hitting rock bottom. Oh, exactly. You're hitting rock bottom or you're hitting a tree. The yeah. likelihood of hitting a tree. Oh my god. And so, like, honestly, if you I've fallen a few times at Camp Fortune. And I've been so lucky that I've never had any serious injuries there. I almost case. Okay, so there, at the end of uh, so there's this one. If you if you if look up any races at Camp Fortune, this is one trail called National, and National has this so giant fun. rock face that goes down. Mm, that's my favorite thing, and it's it's amazing. But I almost died on that rock face twice. Yeah, if you're not an experienced mountain biker, which at the time that you were at riding, the time I was I was not like the case. Okay, so the first time that it happened. I was at the top of the rock face and I was going moving over to the left hand side so I could just avoid the steeper part. We have to jump over that little gap and land on the down part. I was See people think you jump over it, you just ride it. If you if you ride right through that little gap, you're like basically you're fine, your suspension absorbs it. I know that now. But the thing is, like Everybody at the time, doesn't. this was one of my first times riding it. I've only ridden it once and I've only ridden it ridden it from the left hand side. So I was like, okay, well I'll figure it out. I'll I'll see how it's doing. Anyway. So I go to go down it and I just like, I just pussied out and then I, I did the worst thing I could have possibly possibly done and I hit my brakes. Mm, there which, you go. And I was like, oh, I, I, I should be fine. And I go to hit my brakes and I hit my rear brake and it's just not doing shit because yeah, this is such a so steep, steep. Ro- it's so steep. Like you're not going to do photos anything. online. Do not do it justice. No, not at all. Like you, you look online and it's like, oh, that looks steep. You actually ride this thing. It's like you feel like you're dropping straight down a vertical wall. And it's a good, like, what, like 25 feet? Something like that? The, the steepest section of it is probably about 8 to 9 feet, but the whole thing is probably, like, 20, 30 feet. Yeah, yeah something like that. Like, it's, it's long. And I was going down this thing. I slam on the brakes, and my back end skids out. And the, there's a, one of those trees off to the right. I smacked my back end into the tree, and, it, like, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to go down. I bounced it off the tree, so I kicked it into the tree, pushed off, and kicked my back end back, like, so I'm, I'm now back straight. And I managed to get myself down and at the bottom and continue going with the biggest skid I've ever... I, I don't... <laughs> I thought I was going to die. Second time, I jump over that first part at the top. This is when I was a little bit more confident. I had another bike. I Like, the first bike I was riding on, I, I had single crowns. And there's so much Mike mountain bike shit that people are going to have to Google. Yeah. But I had single crowns. It's a type of fork. Uh, and Fork meaning the me- front shocks. Front suspension of your bike, yeah. This time I had dual crowns because I upgraded my bike. And I was riding my Lucky 7. And I go down. I jump over that first part. And then I hit the, the bottom part. And this is my first time doing this thing on the Lucky 7. And I land on that bottom part, the super steep part. And my bars, like I was turning too far to the left. So I get to the bottom. And I just kind of like locked up at the bottom and went right over the bars oh. and just slid all. You know how that dirt trail goes right across? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just slid across like down that dirt trail for a good like eight, nine feet and just laid there. Like I just I was not moving. I was. Yeah, it was just not a good time. But what like downhill extra like that's one of the that's one of the few times in my life other than performing other than other than riding like skate parks other than uh other than snow, like snowboarding, I, did I already say snowboarding skirt? Yeah. I don't know. I said snowboarding. Anyway, it's one of the few times in my life that I actually live in the moment. And yes. I truly enjoy everything when that's honestly what life's about. And if you can find anything that even brings you halfway to that, don't don't let it go. Don't like, ever let it go. Keep I will, it in your life. I will add that I genuinely believe that downhill and mountain biking is a central core and integral part of my personality. Oh, definitely. And the reason being is because for so, for so many years, I did that like every single day. Every single day, We were yeah. riding like, we started out like 14 years old or 12 years old, like riding these tiny jumps. By the time we were 15, we we're hitting like 20, 25 foot jumps. No issue. By 16, we we're just at, like shredding places, especially for our age. I haven't got much better since I was 16 because they tore down our favorite trails. But really, we put so much effort onto our bikes, 
And every single time you get onto a trail, you were like, if I am not focused, I am going to die. Like I'm seriously totally injure myself. Shit. Like something terrible is going to happen. So you have to one, remain incredibly focused during that moment. And two, you learn the risk and reward system. Yeah. Because there is nothing in mountain biking and, and in life better than when you do something that scares the living shit out of you and it works out. Oh, yeah. That is the best feeling in oh, life. insanely it amazing like, feeling. Like, whether you're, like, going, whether you ask that girl out and she says yes and you didn't think she would. And you're, and like, you're oh, like, oh, oh, shit, I'm like, still oh here. Oh, my God. Oh, what? Or, or like, you, you go for that jump and you're, like, I, I, I don't think I can do this. This is as big as anything I've ever tried. The and amount of go, times you, you get that feeling you, there. You send it and you do it perfectly. You're, like, oh, my God. Literally, the I, I'm not even joking. I genuinely think the best moment of my life, the best, like, half a second I've ever lived in my entire life was the time that I hit the 20 footer at Centrum for the first time. Hey. I was like 15 years old and this jump was in my head for eight months. Like I'd speed check this thing like 300 times and eventually I saw Ben do it. I was like, I can't let Ben be better than me. Yeah. <laughs> so I was the like, best motivator. Like, I'm going to go. And the second Ben hit it, I went right up to the top after literally about 300 speed checks, sent it, did the entire line after that and flew and landed it perfectly hey i was i was screaming so loud in the trails everybody across the freaking province could have heard me it was nuts so that was that was yeah yeah oh, okay and that woke me back up. in back in 2011 <laughs> the noise of 11 it was so back good like i still like i am still living on that permastoke of that event like it's the after stoke was just all time and i really feel like being able to do something like that with with your life where we literally faced like, like it doesn't sound like we were facing life and death but we were facing life life and death regularly I would or say life, life, and, and, life death, and major injury life and significant like injury significant and, and the permanent injury so the margins are so thin that you have to be so confident you're going to land it perfectly. And I really feel I really feel like especially with, with like with both of us that being able to be doing that something like that where it was high risk high reward or high risk high mental or f like mm -hmm. feeling of reward. I feel like living in that situation where it's we we're constantly taking chances all the time is really what help is really one aspect that helped us move forward into what we're doing now. Yes, that's that's why I'm saying it's a core integral part of our personality. Oh, definitely. Like, like for when people would ask me, like, "Oh, are you scared to go to the other side of the world by yourself for two and a half months, like without knowing anybody else?" I was like, "No." I rode Camp Fortune without knee pads. Yeah. Okay. No. Like, here's another little blart. So when I surprised Philippe to go bungee jumping for his birthday, so I bought both of us passes to go bungee jumping on Canada's tallest bungee jump. It's about 200 feet tall, right over this giant gorge, uh, about 15 minutes outside of downtown. And it was my turn to go up. I saw Philippe go, and we were standing there, and the dude was talking to me. He's like, so are you nervous? I was like, not really. He's like, why? Like Most people that come up here are nervous. And I was like... Well, like, as a mountain biker, if I drop in on a trail for two minutes, I live with this constant fear that I'm going to eat shit and I'm going to, like, significantly damage and yourself. And something yeah. is going to go wrong. So for two to five minutes, I have to live with that fear. And then at the end, there's the reward. I did it. This, it's a second. It's like the and only. It's, it's almost guaranteed you'll be fine. And, and yeah, and I know that I'm going to be okay. And there's even if, the, even if you weren't going to be okay, there's nothing that you could do. To fix this situation, there's no pressure on you. Oh, well, that's the scary part is that if shit goes wrong, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, you literally have jumping. the rest of your life to figure out what to do. <laughs> but my thing was <laughs> the rest of your life, meaning three seconds. Exactly, yeah. And I never said it was long. <laughs> but no, so I knew I knew heading in that the, st the statistical probabilities of me getting hurt were so slim that I was like, screw this. Like, I'm just going to send it. And so I thought they were going to count down like five, four, three, two, one, let's go. But no, what they do is they make you put your feet to the edge of the crane because you're standing at the top of this crane at the top of this cliff. And instead of having your feet just against the edge, no, they want your entire toes over the edge so that there's there's no turning back. And so it was at that moment I was like, okay, I'm getting that feeling like I'm about the to flutters, hit a jump. Yeah. Hit, a, hit a jump for the first time. Oh, I'll hit this again. Like, you're but just was, fighting the mic today. It was... <laughs> But it was, honestly, the fear was nothing compared to hitting the 20-footer for the first time. So I was like, if I could do that, I can do this. No issues. And then, so instead of counting down slowly, they go, five, four, three, two, one. And I'm like, okay, let's go. Boom. And my idea was, I need to jump as 
far away from this this crane as possible so that there's no turning back. So I sent it, dropped, one of the best experiences of my life. But I was not scared because I'm so used to having my fear prolonged over several minutes. So that's kind of what happened. And so I genuinely believe that if you constantly put yourself in the face of fear and give yourself the opportunity to try and conquer that, you will not only have the best time of your life doing so, but you will grow significantly, significantly as a person. And if you can apply that from mountain biking to something else, that to me is just the epitome of growth through an activity. Well, damn. Boom. With that, though, with the running up of that stories, yes, I, I completely agree. Risking your life and, and doing stuff within within extreme sports, if you can apply that same mantra of I'm in control and I'm scared to mess up, but I can still do it, you apply that to the rest of your life. I am fearful, but I'm not going to let fear decide my fate. Yeah. If you can apply that to the rest of your life, you can move forward quite quickly. Anyway, but with that, we have hit our hour mark. Jamie, do you have any f- closing thoughts for the, for the yeah, humans? Yeah, so we're going to do our question of the day for question the audience. The so please hit us up at WLN Podcast if you have an answer for this. Or DM us directly or send us a message. However you want to get in contact with us, feel free to do so. But what I want to know is, can you name a moment in your life where you faced fear, you conquered it, and felt so good about yourself that you knew that that was something you had to do moving forward, facing fears and conquering whatever obstacle came in your way. Provide an example. Send it to us at WLN Podcast on Instagram. But until next time, thank you very much for listening to Whole Lot of Nothing. Cannot thank you enough for the support. If you could share this with anybody, rate us on iTunes, follow us on Spotify. We'd be eternally grateful. And with that, peace and goodbye. Goodbye.